Well, hi there, and welcome to Unshaken. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host for today's episode, and I'm so glad you're joining me. I want to take a minute before we get started and invite you to head over to our socials, Facebook and Instagram. Follow or like us at Women of the Word CTW. This is our umbrella account that covers and highlights this podcast, Unshaken, our blog called Planted, our mom-to-mom ministry aimed at encouraging mothers in the work they do, and also our Regarding Him conference that happens yearly in March. There is so much good content on these socials, you are not going to want to miss it, so go follow them today. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast directory, like Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, CastBox. It helps us out and it also helps you out because you get notifications of new episodes that drop each and every Thursday. You can also reach out to us at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you if you ever have any ideas, suggestions, or thoughts about an episode. Or maybe you just want to tell me about something that you heard on an episode and how it impacted you. Finally, Unshaken is a podcast for women, put on by women, and our goal is to encourage and challenge and point women to Jesus Christ. And as you know, with Jesus, we can be unshaken no matter our circumstances. Hey, let's jump right into our episode today. All right, well, it's time for Christmas music. Now, I have a daughter who has been known to listen to Christmas carols year-round, like even in July. She is famous in our family for mishearing and singing one set of lyrics to a pop Christmas song. And I mean pop. I really do mean that. This is pre-Spotify. And so instead of carrying around CDs, some of you will probably remember this time in life when we had to have the radio rolling in our cars. And we did, at our house, from Thanksgiving till New Year's Day. And our local radio station always played nonstop Christmas music during this time. Uh, Some of the great ones were some traditional Christmas carols um, that had clear Christian lyrics, you know, Um, such as Joy to the World. And then there were fun ones like Frosty the Snowman or a new one to me, which was Dominic the Donkey. I'd never heard of that. You know, I want to sing it now. Hee-haw, hee-haw. Some people out there will understand that one. But this song is without a doubt not even a real Christmas song. It had actually has some pretty bad lyrics, to be honest. And for some reason, well, I know why, but for some reason this song is played every hour and we couldn't avoid it. And because of this, my kids, all of them, somehow ended up memorizing this song over the course of time. Okay, so the song is Last Christmas. And if you have never heard of it, do not go and listen now. Okay, you do not even need to waste your time on this song. But here is how she heard it wrong. So the original song is put out by the group Wham! And the first verse says, Last Christmas I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away. I could almost sing it, but I won't. (laughs) This year, to save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. But for some reason, my daughter heard it wrong. And here's what she heard. Last Christmas I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away. This year, Sabby Batir. I'll give it to someone special. I I think she thought Sabby Batir was an actual person. I don't know if that's a man or a woman, but we still call this song the Sabby Batir song because um, it was all messed up. Now, maybe you, like my daughter, have misheard some famous Christmas carols over the years, and there are some really funny ones. For example, Joy to the World, which is a um, written by um, English hymn writer Isaac Watts. I've heard of him before. 
He's yeah. done quite a few. In the early 1700s, and people would mess this up, and they would often sing, Joy to the world, let's have fun. Let earth receive her keys, which I think is hilarious. Instead of joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Okay, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is also known, and I think there's actually a movie that came out. Not, I mean, Rudolph is a movie, but there also was another movie that came out with this problem, problematic uh, lyric, and it is Olive, the other reindeer, used to laugh and call him names. Not all of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. Okay, you get the idea. Lots and lots of times people mess up these particular songs and I think it's just because they become so familiar we don't take the time to read what they actually are writing what actually is in the in the song so I thought it would be great today to just chit chat about Christmas carols I I guess this really is a good beginning since we are in the Christmas season we are recording this in December and I'm not actually going to sing any for you Um, you're all going to be appreciative of that but I have invited someone on who is way more musical than I am and um, let me introduce you to my friend Abby Maser. Abby I'm so glad you're here with me today Uh, oh and a side note today's episode is 131 and it's called a conversation about Christmas carols and the word Christ is highlighted in that title so I'm glad you're here with us Abby. I'm so glad to be here. This is one of my favorite topics. Okay. Tell us a little bit about you and why I would even invite you on to talk about Christmas carols. (laughs) Why indeed. Okay. (laughs) Um, Well, I am a musician professionally. I studied piano at Bowling Green State University. I've been playing for about 20 years and I am a piano teacher. Um, That's my job. You are not very old. I'm not. So to play 20 (laughs) years, when did you start? Uh, I started at four. Okay, all right. Taking lessons, Okay. I remember one of my... Yeah, I did have to do (laughs) quick math. Okay, so that means that you are... No, okay. All right, so you have some background to share with us about this, and I'm excited that you can talk with us about all of this. But before we jump into actually the topic on this, have you ever misheard lyrics in a song? Oh, yeah, for sure I have. And I wish that I could remember them because, like, (laughs) it's always so funny. I mean, I can remember the feeling of, like, uncertainty Mm -hmm. and then sudden clarity. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. And then Um, it's hard to unhear the wrong lyric. Exactly, exactly. Or not, like, get into a laughing fit every time you hear it. Yeah. Um, Something I do think is funny about Christmas music is the, like, stylistic uh, exceptions that we make for the Christmas music we listen to. And I think of, um, there is a particular uh, Christmas album that came out (laughs) when I was four. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, In 2002, um, City on a Hill Christmas um, that my family had. And it will forever live. It was on on a CD, I'm sure. Yes, it was a CD. It will forever live on my Christmas playlist. I I love it. Um, I listened back in like some of the like production quality and just like the, it's just... Just bad taste, okay. you know what okay. I mean? I would never listen to something like that now, no. but it just carries such like sentimental value. Yes. So <laughs> I think a lot of Christmas funny. carols have that feel. Yeah. In in many ways, because you listen to them, and I'm really not a girl who loves rocking around the Christmas tree, but it, right. it brings some memories. Right. Right? So that's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, since we're talking about Christmas, and before we jump into this amazing conversation about Christmas carols, because I'm sure it is going to be fabulous, what about your favorite gift you've ever received? Okay, I'm really, I have a really hard time answering, like, favorite questions. Um, okay, one of your but favorites. But one of my favorites would be, a couple of years ago, my mom knitted me a blanket. Oh, wow. Um, which 
you know my mom is a really fantastic knitter. Mm-hmm. You can't pay someone enough to knit mm-hmm. you anything. Um, so I was super impressed and was totally surprised. And it's very warm and cozy. And I use it all the time. So OK, yeah. so here's the real question. Um, I know your mom is a fabulous knitter. Is that the right word? It is. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but here's the thing. Uh, I know she is. We actually had her on in Thanksgiving, around Thanksgiving, and she talked about her knitting yeah, skills. Yeah. But how did she do this? Because you were living at home. I know. That's the crazy thing. I mean, um, in the couple of days leading up to Christmas, it became very evident that she was working on something oh. that was a surprise. Was she like, I have to use the bathroom again? <laughs> no. I have to use the bathroom again. You'd be like, don't come in this room. <laughs> right. right. So, but I knew that she was also working. I think she knitted something for all of us kids. Okay. So, so it could have been anyone it of really, your siblings. Yeah, it was a or, surprise. Yes. Yeah. That's really impressive. cool. Yeah. yeah. And the most important thing is, is it beautiful? It is. Okay. That's yes. really nice when people knit things that are beautiful. <laughs> yes. I have a crocheted blanket from someone in my husband's family and it really was not beautiful. It was warm. <laughs> it was warm. But it was like all these multicolors of green. That didn't really go together, but it was warm. (laughs) I will say that. So, all right. So let's jump in today all about these common Christmas carols that we often hear. And let's talk about some that might even be a little less common. We're going to talk about these carols or songs, if they should or if they can be used in our worship. And maybe we're even going to share a little gift with all of you who are listening at the end. (laughs) So, Abby, why don't you start by telling us the history of Christmas carols in general. How and when did we even start singing Christmas carols? <laughs> okay, so when you first asked me this question in preparation, I was like, I can't. Um, <laughs> it's like asking me what the history of pasta is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how do you do that? Um, they've been around for so long. Yeah. Um, but I think the answer to this question lies in how you define Christmas and how you define carols. So, Julie, how would you define Christmas? Well, I guess I would say it's a celebration of the day of Christ's birth. Yeah. Does that make sense? I mean. Yes. Yeah. So dictionary definition says the annual Christian festival celebrating Christ's birth held on December 25th in the Western Church. So it's basically a celebration of Christ's birth. But when we look around at the way this holiday is celebrated by our culture, we often do not see anything of Christ. No, we do not. (laughs) Um, Christmas is not and has not been for many decades, at least in America, merely a holiday, but rather a festive season of celebration that just seems to get longer and longer each yes. year, right? Yes. They <laughs> um, add on to the beginning of it. Right. Pretty soon it's holiday Christmas, right? Right. We are all well aware of the ways that our godless culture and society have made much of the material side of Christmas and rejected the redemptive joy and hope that is at the center of this celebration. Hmm. I'm sure I'm not the only one who has questioned the traditional festivities of Christmas that seem to have no basis in scripture. It can be a disorienting season for a Christian. I would encourage us all to celebrate, to consider the ways that we can celebrate like Christians. As in all things, this means making much of God and less of ourselves. It means continually reminding ourselves of what this pivotal moment in redemption history meant, and that can be found on every page of our Bibles. I remember when I was a little girl, we had this, like, I, I had a pin. Mm-hmm. Do you remember pins? Yes. They were, well, you're way younger than me, but <laughs> it was, like, a cool thing to wear a pin. And there was a pin that everybody was wearing, and it was Jesus is the reason for the season. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit hokey, a little bit cringy now. However, it has a true point. And yes. that's just what you were saying. Yes. And we it's memorable. Sight. Yes, it is memorable. Yes. <laughs> a little bit of poetry. Yes. Sticking in our brains. Um, as we come to understand what this means for our salvation, 
our response should be celebration. We ought to celebrate like Christians. Time to party. (laughs) So while it's important to note that the holiday of Christmas is not mentioned or celebrated in the Bible, we have many examples of joyous festivities. I'm thinking of Miriam dancing with tambourines and singing after crossing the Red Sea. Uh, David danced with all his might when the ark was returned to Jerusalem Mm -hmm. in 2 Samuel 6. The Psalms are filled with exhortations to sing, an example of joyful praises to the Lord. Yeah. So I'm thinking of a couple. Psalm 47, 1. Oh, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with a voice of joy. And the beginning of Psalm 33, which says, Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with a lyre. Sing praise to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play Mm. skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. And weren't a lot of the Psalms written in regard to be sung? <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's just, you just gave us two. Like, I just there's gave a whole two. bunch. <laughs> <laughs> we could do all, what, 150, right? Yeah. Um, also in the New Testament, Psalm, excuse me, Colossians <laughs> 3.16 says... Let the word of Christ richly dwell within Mm. you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Mm. So as we look um, at these scripture verses, we're taught how Christians celebrate. In the spirit of that last verse, let's transition to the topic at hand. Yes, we do have a big topic. (laughs) We do. Um, and speaking of that last verse, I love how it tells us that our, our the hymns and the psalms that we sing instruct us. They yeah, teach us. They do. Yep. Um, if we're looking at Christmas as the birth of Christ, which it is, right? Um, there are three important songs surrounding that event. Mary's Magnificat, sung after her meeting with her cousin Elizabeth in Luke 1, 46 through 56. Okay. That's the first one. The second one would be the angel song when they visited these shepherds in oh, Luke 2, 14. Yeah. Yeah, I forget. I kind of forget that that's a song. Right. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, uh, some of our songs, uh, we sing Gloria in Excelsis Deo. It's not eggshells. It's not eggshells. I was just going to say oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Because um, I was like, oh, yeah, that is one that I've confused yes. before. Yes. Um, that is a very common one. Little kids singing <laughs> with all their hearts, right? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, that's what... What, it, what that phrase means, it's Latin for glory to God in the mm. highest, which is what the angels sang. Yeah. Um, and then we have Simeon's song in Luke 2, 29 through 32. Um, so how long have we been singing Christmas songs? Wow. Since the beginning, um, even before Christ's birth. Hmm. Uh, the church has been si- singing these texts, setting them to music for hundreds of years. So let's define carol, since this is a Christmas carol yes, episode. Yeah. Julie, how would you define carol, and what is one of your favorites? Okay, well, my favorite carol is my mom. Aww. Can I just say that? Because her name is Carol, and guess what? She was born on December 23rd, hence oh, the name Christmas Carol. Um, that was a really bad, bad dad joke, and I'm sorry. But <laughs> I would say a carol is a song. I think it seems like it's a song of some sort. And um, I love Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I love Well Shepherds Watch Their Flock by Night. Uh, I love that one too. It's one of my favorites. And I love the song. Very underrated. The Christmas. Yes, it is. I love the Christmas song. I just had to run this by my husband and I cannot remember the title, but it has where it says joy, joy, joy in it. Oh, um, 
while by my while by my phone. <laughs> well how well, greater joy that's there you the go yes. that's the other one i love okay so yes those are some of my favorites okay so off the top of my head i think christmas song too right yeah um the act of caroline okay oh and sure I think of, oh yeah like in your little hat and christmas yes, sweater and you yes, go door to door yeah door to door i think of a, a sacred christmas song and then i think well, what about like we wish you a Merry Christmas or Auld Lang Syne? Mm. Those aren't necessarily sacred, but no, they are not. carols. Yes, they are. Right. So, um, I don't know. While I want to have a strict definition of carols, I just can't be satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is because the concept of carols has a long and varied history, dating back to as early as the 1400s. Wow. Um, the word has its origin there. Um, just like Mary. Um, just like many traditional carols themselves, a great deal of change has ensued over time. Sure. Carols did not begin as sacred songs. Um, rather, they were festive dancing songs, usually in pagan uh, cultures. One source says, choirs sang church music, everyone else sang carols. <laughs> oh, so my definition doesn't match that. Well, that's the historical definition. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to go back to those very early origins. But I think for a couple hundred years now, we've been defining yeah. carols as like more more like Christmas carols, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, there are also Thanksgiving carols and Easter carols, but... We don't call them carols. We don't call them carols. We That's call right. them hymns. Right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, so for the purposes of this episode, perhaps we can just define carols as traditional sacred Christmas songs or hymns. Yeah. Deal. That sounds good. Right. I think that sounds good. Okay. Now, Abby, um, one of the reasons I brought you on is I wanted to actually talk about some of the specific carols. Now, this is a, I always say 30 minute podcast, but it always turns into an hour. So I'm sorry. <laughs> you can always start and stop it. But listen, what I wanted to talk about some of the specific ones. And I, let you pick mm-hmm. I could have told you which ones but I'm being kind here oh, thank you. let you pick so what are some of the ones that you picked yes it was hard to narrow it down um but I chose Hark the Herald Angels Sing yay that's one of my favorites yes. uh O Come O Come Emmanuel yeah. and O Come All Ye Faithful okay so let's start with Hark the Herald Angels Sing why don't we talk about that one first great Okay, so this hymn was composed by Charles Wesley. Oh, mostly, I've heard of him. Mostly. 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 Oh, yes. Um, Charles Wesley, with his brother John, started the Methodist movement in the Church of England. They were famous for their prolific hymn writing. Like, they wrote thousands of hymns. Yes. Like, some said 5,000, others said 6,500. That's a lot, like a lot of hymn writing. <laughs> That's a lot. Okay. A few of Charles's more famous hymns include Christ the Lord is Risen Today, Rejoice the Lord is King, Love Divines, All Loves Excelling. Okay. I'm familiar with all three of those. Yeah. Yeah. I could go on and on. But um, the poem, uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, was originally published in 1739. Oh, wow. There were a handful of changes made to the text over the years. So one of these was uh, Charles Wesley originally wrote the first line was, Hark the welk, uh, how hark how all the welkin rings. You can't even say it right because <laughs> it's so hard. It. <laughs> uh, okay, say that again. What? Hark how all the welkin rings, glory to the King of Kings. So one of the changes made by actually George Whitfield, someone else we know, was uh, what we sing now. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to to the newborn okay. king. I like that change. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we're we're going to look favorably upon many of these yes, changes. Yes. Um although I am a fan of King of Kings. I think yeah. that that's yeah. a good that's a good one. 
Um, another change that was made was instead of with the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Originally, Wesley wrote, universal nature say Christ the Lord is born today. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Not surprisingly, the Wesleys were not huge fans of changes being made to their work, but that really didn't stop people, for better or for worse. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, this is kind of yeah. before the era of copyright. Yes. Um, because of the meter of the stanzas, there are a handful of tunes that could be used with this text. I'm not going to go into that. Um, the tune that we now sing is was composed by a quote classical composer okay uh felix mendelssohn in 1840 i've heard of him too yes (laughs) i've heard of him and this is just a complete side note but my mother dressed up as his wife oh that's so for a for a party they had a party because she had to pick somebody out of the 1850s or that era so anyway (laughs) i didn't know about him before but anyway he's also known for the revival of um bach music oh yeah okay bach is my favorite okay okay and the music comes from a cantata by Mendelssohn. A cantata is a composition that's like sung with a small instrumental okay. ensemble uh, in commemoration of the Gutenberg Press. Oh, that is such a cool piece of history. I know. Um, so there's like this super long German title, um, subtitle, and I'm going to read it to you, not in German, but in English, because it's so funny to me. This is the subtitle. This is the subtitle. Okay. <laughs> Ceremonial song for the opening of the celebrations taking place on the first day of the quadricentennial celebration of the invention of the <laughs> art of printing on the market square in Leipzig. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's a subtitle. That's a subtitle. Wow. 400 years of wow. the Gutenberg Press, which we're grateful for. Yes, That's we worthy are. of a song, right? Yeah. Okay, so just as the Wesleys had opinions about their works being changed, so did Mendelssohn. He explicitly told the publishers that this tune was not to be used with sacred words. Oh. But rather for nationalist purposes. Okay. Now, he did also write, like, scriptural cantatas, so I don't think that he was totally against sacred okay. music, okay. but this tune was, like, intended for, this, yes. Let's keep this very national. Okay. Whoops. Yeah, <laughs> I would say um, so. So let's think about this timeline. In 1739, Wesley published this hymn. In around 1760, some changes were made. 1788, Wesley dies. 1840, Mendelssohn composed the song Festgesang, which is our Gutenberg song. Okay, okay. You didn't tell us the name, so now we know. 1847, Mendelssohn died. And then in 1897... A man named William William Heyman Cummings read this tune, like sang it, and being familiar with the hymn, realized that they would make a great fit. Wow. And so it's kind of irony of ironies. These two songs were mashed up, or the the text of the song, against everyone's wills. Yes. Yes. And Um, that was interesting that it's, if you look at the timeline, that's like 150 give or take some years yes that took a long time for that to finally yes and let's just establish that's the way like almost all of these carols yeah. go yeah um unless they were composed like in the last 150 years yeah. like there's weird mysterious histories yeah that's interesting because today if someone is you know current songwriters would be writing a song even current hymn writers there are current hymn writers yes. writing songs they go record it write it record it put it out on spotify and within maybe two or three years it's popular enough that people are aware right this is 150 years that's crazy yes this is the before the advent of internet right (laughs) yes yes 
Okay, but this is good to learn the history, Abby, mm-hmm. but one of the things we wanted to do today is talk about are, are these hymns important in our theology? What do mm-hmm. they teach us about Christ? Yes, so not all of our carols are theological theologically sound i did choose some that are today okay we could have a whole nother episode about ones that aren't yeah um but this is a great one um i think it was funny um julie you commented on the stack of books i brought and i I left like half she has a stack here a stack (laughs) um all of the books that i have had different like words for this song oh um some lyrics different lyrics yes yeah some had three stanzas some had five Mm -hmm. some had mishmash of of both um so while this hymn opens with reference to the angels announcing the news of christ's birth to the shepherds its scope goes far beyond the nativity scene as many great christmas carols should okay i don't know about you or our listeners but sometimes like at points growing up i struggled to have like a worshipful attitude towards the nativity scene yeah and that's because like we're not supposed to worship the nativity scene right we're supposed to worship Christ. Well, I remember even my kids early on, we had a little nativity scene and they would just play with it. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a toy to yes. some degree. And it would end up all over the house, you know, in different places. I'm like, uh, you know, baby Jesus is under the couch. Get him out, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So this carol is not about the angels. Um, rather, it uh, packs in a great deal of theology about Christ, his incarnation, birth, and resurrection, as well as the Christian's new birth and resurrection in him. Hmm. The first stanza calls us to reflect on the angel's message. Hark, a word that we don't use very often, means listen. Hmm. So the first, uh, that first stanza is saying, listen to the news that the angels bring. Hmm. They sang, uh, in scripture it says, there has been born for you a savior. Uh, Wesley originally wrote, as I said before, glory to the king of kings. Right. And now we sing in this glory to the newborn king. Okay. Well, I think we should start using the word hark more frequently. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hark right. to all the listeners, right? Listen. <laughs> right. Well, that's listen to the listener. No, forget that. <laughs> uh, further, we sing God and singers, yes. sinners reconciled, which reminded me of Ephesians 2, 14 through 16. Julia, would you read that for us? Sure. I'll be happy to. Okay. Um, let's see. So Ephesians 2, 14 through 16. For he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. Thanks, Julie. So in this text, Paul is writing to the Ephesians and reminding them that in Christ, Jews and Gentiles are reconciled with one another through Christ and to God. This was the same message the angels gave when they said, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all people, Hmm. as well as in the hymn, joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. Hmm. The second stanza teaches us about the incarnation, that Christ was fully God, adored by heaven and from everlasting our Lord. As we sing, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, we are singing about what we would call in theology the hypostatic union. Ooh, those are big words. (laughs) Big words, which is the mysterious joining of the divine and the human in the one person, Jesus. Yeah. We finish this stanza by praising Jesus with his precious name, Emmanuel, Hmm. which means God God with with us. us. Yeah, I knew that one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
In the third stanza, we sing, Rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head, which echoes Christ fulfilling the prophecy of Genesis 3.15. You want to read that one? Sure. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. Yeah. So this was God's response to the serpent after the fall. And already prophesying Christ's victory many thousands years of years before his birth. So we look ahead to his redemptive work at the cross, but also behind to the promise in the garden. Hmm. In stanzas four and five, we find application to the Christian's life, who we are and what we have become because of Christ's becoming man. Hmm. I'm going to read the last stanza. Here it is. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that men no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark Hmm. the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. So those last three lines, the three borns, if you will, (laughs) they pack a punch. They tell us why Christ came. Christ's birth means eternal life for sinners, which was accomplished in his death and his resurrection. So again, we don't want to stop at the nativity scene, nor should we stop at the first stanza of a great carol or hymn. If it's worth singing, then usually all of it is worth singing for the benefit of the truth that it communicates. Yeah, that's a really excellent point for any hymn, really. Mm -hmm. Not just to, I remember being a kid at church and it would be, um, we're just going to sing the first and the third stanzas mm-hmm. of this hymn, probably for the sake of time, or maybe mm-hmm. they had something in it someone liked. But really, we should sing the whole thing. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. They usually tell some kind of story or can yeah. communicate a whole message. Yeah. And I, awesome. I like how you connected so many pieces mm-hmm. of truth. You know, on the podcast, we often talk about how important it is to know truth and to mm-hmm. live truth. Mm-hmm. And so even in these hymns, of course, we need to make sure that they are actual truthful hymns. Mm-hmm. But in this particular one, which is one of my favorites, it <laughs> is full of truth. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's really important to remember all those pieces. Yes. Okay. Give us another one. All right. So number two, Carol, number two, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. All right, so there is a long, somewhat mysterious history behind this hymn. Um, I found myself digging into several resources, just trying to wrap my head around it, but I'll try and condense it for you and our listeners. Okay. Um, Please note, this is like a 30,000-foot view. Um, Okay. I'm leaving a lot of stuff (laughs) out. Um, I just don't think it fits quite with our purpose today. Yeah, okay. Here's a little bit. Any source on the history of this hymn calls our attention to the seven greater antiphones or great o and phones of advent i have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) these are believed to have been written by monastery monks and sung at vespers the evening prayer hour okay so (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) it's like a lot of research yeah um these particular advent prayers were for the seven days prior to christmas so what is an antiphone you might ask. I do ask. <laughs> it's a short text from scripture or elsewhere that would be sung before and after a reading of a psalm. Okay. So I always think of antiphones or antiphonal music as like generally in the realm of like call and response. Oh, which is okay. That makes sense. More familiar to yes. us. Yeah. So a lot of psalms have a strong antiphonal bent like Psalm 136, which like every second line is for his loving kindness sure. is everlasting. Okay. So that's a classic antiphone right okay um 
Okay, so the seven O's. I just love that. The seven O's. I love it. <laughs> they go it way back. It sounds like a cereal, though, I have to say. So anyway. <laughs> yes. Uh, they go back perhaps to the ninth century. Ninth. Not nineteenth. Ninth, ninth um, century. Or I earlier. have to wrap my brain around the ninth I know, century. I know. Um, let's fast forward though to eighteen fifty one, so the nineteenth century. Okay. And meet a guy named John Mason Neal. Neal was an Anglican priest and scholar. I read that he was proficient in twenty one languages. Oh my goodness. So wow. as you can imagine, it was totally in his wheelhouse to discover this hymn and translate it hmm. from Latin. Thomas Helmore, a contemporary of Neil, coupled the text with the ancient plain chant tune that is believed to be from the 12th century. Again, nobody really knows the origin of the tune. It's old, though. Um, additionally, Helmore changed the first line from Neil's translation, which was, draw nigh, draw nigh, Emmanuel, to what we now think, Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. Okay, I can see that connection. <laughs> yeah, and we're thankful for that. The poet, yeah. the better poetry tends to stick, stick, as we saw in Hark the Herald. Yes, right? <laughs> yes. Um, now, if you're looking for seven verses of this hymn, you won't find them. There are only five, and the order of them tends to shuffle around as each like recording artist fancies. Okay. Um, but unlike Hark the Herald, it doesn't go in sort of like a it's not a specific order. story. Yeah, yeah. So that's okay. We'll allow it. <laughs> what's neat to reflect upon is that some variation of this text has been sung in the church for more than a thousand years which speaks to the enduring truths it communicates yeah okay so abby that's so good what about these enduring truths like what does this hymn teach us yeah in my mind this hymn is the quintessential advent hymn in the church calendar advent is the season that anticipates christmas Noelle Piper, in her 2009 article, What is Advent?, says this, quote, For four weeks, it's as if we're reenacting, remembering the thousands of years God's people were anticipating and longing for the coming of God's salvation for Jesus, end hmm. quote. Hmm. Well, this season of Advent is one of waiting and, and into anticipation, the word Advent itself means the arrival of something. So there's a dual meaning. We reflect on what it means meant for the Israelites to await a savior that they made careful searches and inquiries of, as First Peter 1 reminds us. But we, living A.D., are also anticipating Christ's second advent when our king will establish his kingdom. Hmm. I like that connection. Mm -hmm. So each line of this hymn teaches us another prophetic name of Christ, petitioning him to come and teaching us who he is. He is Emmanuel, God with us referencing Isaiah 7:14 which says therefore the lord himself will give you a sign behold a virgin will be with child and bear a son and she will call his name Emmanuel Emmanuel will, ran will ransom us from our captivity as the son of god this reminds us of Mark 10:45 which says for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many he is the lord of might who himself will give, who gave the law to Israel. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hmm. This second stanza corrects our wrong thinking that Christ is against the law of God in the Old Testament and calls our attention to Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Hmm. Wow. Christ was present. Yes. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> He is the rod of Jesse of the lineage of David. Isaiah 11 opens like this. 
Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and branch a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he will judge the poor, hmm. and decide the f- with fairness for the afflicted of his earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with breath on his lips he will slay the wicked. Also righteousness will be the belt about his loins, and faithfulness the belt about his waist. Hmm. You cannot think about the Christmas story without thinking about Isaiah. Yes. <laughs> That's a really good reminder right exactly. there. Exactly. He is the day spring from on high, cheering our spirits, putting death's dark shadows to flight. The text referenced here is Luke 2, 78 through 79 of Zechariah's prophecy. Because of the tender mercy of our God, to which with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And finally, he is the key of David, opening wide our heavenly home and shard shutting the path of misery. Isaiah twenty two twenty two reads, Then I will set the key of the house of David on his shoulder. When he opens, no one will shut. When he shuts, no one will open. Okay, so Abby, there was something really cool in what you shared. Um, I love this, that it's like just the names of Christ. Mm-hmm. I had not ever noticed that before. Mm-hmm. And every year in my family, with my kids, we have these little wooden ornaments and mm. they are the names of Christ. Oh, yeah. And as you were saying these, I'm like, oh, they're on there now. There are, most of their references are from Isaiah, I have right. to say. Right. <laughs> but it is really cool. Like we should sing this hymn mm-hmm. throughout this month so mm-hmm. we can remember. That's awesome. Yeah. So in singing this hymn, we confess our need for Christ, our sinful, broken condition. Mm-hmm. But we also confess the only antidote to our brokenness, Christ, the Son of God. And this is why we don't want to stop at just the nativity. Right. We have to go beyond the nativity. Right. Because just Jesus coming is not the end of everything. Right. There's more, much more to it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to read all, sing all the verses. Yes. Right? You, you got to celebrate them all because they tell the whole thing and they tell all the parts, uh, you know, all the names of Christ. Absolutely. That's good. Okay, Abby, do you got another one for us? I do. Okay, the last one we'll be looking at today is O Come All Ye Faithful. So this is our third carol. Julie, what do you think? Is it going to have a straightforward history? Oh, I'm going to pretty much say no. (laughs) (laughs) No. I'm thinking it's going to be woven through and there's going to be so many ins and outs. Yes. In fact, there were so many ins and outs that I was like, I don't even care anymore. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Here's the truth. Um, Yes. It it takes us all over Europe, all throughout history. Um, So let's just chat a little bit. I will chat at you. How about that? Uh, You can chat at me, but I'm totally listening. This is really, I love history. Yes. And and I actually have enjoyed a book, which doesn't have to do with this, but it is the history of great hymns. Oh. And um, I have enjoyed it. And I, it has like just a synopsis of the history behind great hymns. That's So I'm fascinated. Okay. Go to it. I'm sitting over here with my coffee. Enjoying, (laughs) right? The Oxford Book of Carols has a little note um, with this one. And it says, the complex origins of both the words and tune of this universally loved hymn for Christmas Day lie in English Catholic circles of the 1740s. Hmm. Complex origins, indeed. Yes. A man with very nice penmanship named John Francis Wade reproduced numerous copies of the Latin hymn Adeste Fidelis, 
but most people believe he just copied this and the true authorship is unknown. Okay, this is this has got to be uh, pre-Gutenberg press, printing press, um, if he's copying well, it. Or I, I guess it was like 1400s, but I don't think that the press was widely available. Right, that's yeah. right. Yeah, okay. I was I had the same thought cross my mind earlier. Like, why is he yeah. handwriting this? We right. have a printer now. <laughs> um, so although, although it is not like everyone owned a Gutenberg printing press, right? It right. would have been for important like textbooks and the Bible, right? Right. Not necessarily for this. So that's interesting. He must have handwritten it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also am curious, like, when music notation was incorporated into printing presses. Very interesting question. Because you, know? so, you had to print the music. Right. In order to keep it that song going from year to year. Right. Not That's that anybody whole, cared right. about it keeping a lasting tradition, yes. as we've seen. Right. Okay. Um, right. So the tune has mysterious origins. I'm not going to get into that. I'll be honest. I... I was a little overwhelmed. There are about <laughs> eight different suspected composers. Wow. Um, from John Francis Wade to Handel of Handel's Messiah. Oh, he's kind of famous. Yes, to the German composer Gluck uh, to King John the Fourth of Portugal. Really? Yeah. So we're, we've got like several countries represented here. At the end of the day, I'm glad this hymn exists, aren't you? Yes. This is <laughs> another favorite one. Yes. So, so Abby, what does this teach us about God, though? Yeah. So this hymn, as we've seen before, teaches us about the deity of Christ. Theology is the study of God. While encompassed in theology, we study all of his written word, right? Because Christ yeah. is the word yeah. in scripture. We must begin with establishing who God is, and that's our foundation. O Come All You Faithful teaches us key points of theology and actually quotes the Nicene Creed in the oh. second stanza, which opens with, God of God, light of light. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So let me quote Robert Rothwell to shed some light on the subject. Well, at least I'm not the only one with bad puns. (laughs) All right, here we go. Quote, we are monotheists, affirming that there is only one divine nature. If we are to confess that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are truly divine, the divine nature that they have in common must be in this the same in every way. There can be no difference in the attributes from one person to person or from person to person in the Godhead. Hmm. The love of the Father is the love of the Son is the love of the Spirit. The knowledge of the Father is the knowledge of the Son is the knowledge of the Spirit. The will of the Father is the will of the Son and the will of the Spirit, and so on. Right. That is what we mean when we confess that the Son is God of God and light of light. Hmm. And that quote comes from the Table Talk magazine, uh, December 2021. That actually does shed some light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we looked at texts earlier as we studied Hark the Herald Angels Sing and O Come, O Come, Emmanuel that are also echoed in the lines of this hymn. Hmm. We learn about his incarnation when we sing, Lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb, very God, begotten, not created. We learn that he is the word, word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. And we also hear um, echoes of the angel song in Luke 2, sing choirs of angels, sing in exaltation. Hmm. Wow, that's so, it's really cool to take just a moment to think about even just these three. Mm-hmm. Think of all the other carols that we sing at right. Christmas that are sacred and all their history mm-hmm. and all the truth. And now you mentioned earlier that you did find a lot of them didn't have good proper doctrine right so you have to know doctrine to be able to see 
where it's right or wrong, right? right? So we have to go back to God's word always. <clears throat> yes. And I, I heard someone, as I was preparing, I listened to someone say, like, you can find a scripture reference for every line of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Oh, that's interesting. Um, And I think that that can be a good litmus test yeah. Uh, yeah. going through our hymns is, like, can we actually connect this to scripture somehow? Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, All right. So Abby, um, one of the things we, here we are with all these like super old hymns, Mm -hmm. like really old hymns we found (laughs) out, like going back to, I don't know, ninth century. Yes. Okay. But should we be learning new Christmas carols? Are there even new Christmas carols out there to enjoy? And also, why should we even listen to new Christmas carols if we already love the old ones? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we all know that there's like two kinds of people, right? Those who start listening to Christmas music on November 1st. Oh, yeah. And those who say you have to wait until after Thanksgiving. Yes. That's the same with Christmas trees. Yeah. Some people yeah, yeah, will yeah. say you get it like the day of Thanksgiving. Right. Or some people, do you know people who go out on Christmas Eve to get their Christmas tree? I feel like I've heard of some people I'm like, like that. that is crazy because then you're just done with it in two days. Right. Okay. Anyway, back to Christmas carols though. You're right. There are yeah. two different kinds of people. Yes. So... I'm not trying to say that anybody should be skipping over Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a lovely holiday yeah. that we should we should celebrate on yeah. its own, right? Yeah. Now, I, for my part, have to prepare like 25 kids for a student Christmas recital. Oh. So I start listening to Christmas in September. Yes, yes, um, <laughs> yes, I'm sure. So my object here isn't to convince anyone to listen to Christmas music early. However, I think that the strong opinions reveal something about our diet or consumption of Christmas music. If you can't stand Christmas music, what does that reveal about your view of Christmas or the kind of Christmas mm. that you listen to, Christmas music that you listen to? So excuse me while I paint with a very broad brush. Okay. But most people listen to like the same couple of dozen Christmas songs, recordings or arrangements each year for years on end. Yes, yes, like, yes. No wonder you hate Christmas music. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, same old, same old. Yep. And that old adage, familiarity breeds contempt, right? This is true. This is true. So... Should we be learning new Christmas songs? Again, our purpose is to celebrate like Christians, full of joy and life. If we find ourselves grumbling about Christmas music and we're a grouch or a grinch about it, <laughs> nice. unable to enjoy it, maybe our hearts are not right with God and we mm. are living in unrepentant sin that needs to be dealt with. But perhaps more practically, we just need to like shuffle our playlist. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. <clears throat> yeah. It is easy to become in the same thing every year. Yeah. This is true. Even on Sunday morning music. Yes. If we always sing the same, I don't know, 15 hymns. Right. They become blah. Right. Right. Um, and there's a place for tradition, right? Yeah. Like we don't, it's just kind of a hard thing to navigate sometimes. Yeah. So whichever camp we fall into, whether we're content with our playlists or we're sick of them, I think we ought to heed what the Psalms say. I think we read it earlier, right? Sing to the Lord a new song. Mm. We ought to be singing new songs because this is what scripture tells us to do and supporting those who are doing the Lord's work in composing new songs to the Lord. Okay. I'm sure we've all had experiences where we've been numbed to the meaning of a text or a lyric that we've known for all of our lives. Like Mm. sometimes it's a scripture verse we remembered learning when we were little that like suddenly is something. Oh yeah. A light bulb goes on. Yes. But then also sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like an inappropriate lyric of a song that we learned and then we're like, oh, I didn't realize it meant that. Yes. Yes, This is true too. (laughs) A new setting of a familiar uh, text, whether that's in like a new recording or a new arrangement um, with a new tune, yep, can really change the way that we understand the words. We don't want the truths become, to become stale to us. Hmm. That's really a good point. Hmm. I think it's a wonderful thing 
when you can switch when you're listening reading the bible and all of a sudden you listen to it for, for a few days mm-hmm. or you read it in a different version right you know like i think you it, the familiarity can make something kind of i don't want to say god's word is boring i'm not saying that but too familiar mm-hmm. and the same with christmas carols yes so i want to distinguish between new and unfamiliar so Simeon's song like i mentioned earlier um is that new no it's been around since christmas but have you ever sung it Never in my life. <laughs> um, film, familiarity breeds contempt, but familiarity is also subjective, right? Okay. So um, I'm going to name off, just to prove this, I'm going to name off a handful of tunes okay. and carols, and you can tell me whether you've heard of them or not, and our listeners Oh, no, I feel like also... I'm in a game show now or something. <laughs> our listeners do can I, also, like... Do I get a prize? Not. That's my most important question. Um, just the knowledge of knowing, oh, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, here's one. Still, still, still. No, I have never heard of that. All right, number two, Rise Up, Shepherd, and Follow. I have never heard of that one either. I feel like there's a theme going. <laughs> Green Grows the Holly? Nope. Ding Dong, Merrily on High. Now, I have heard of that yes. one. Yes, All I have. All the glory is. Um, the Angel Gabriel from Heaven Came. Nope. Okay, so, so that's four out of five. Yeah, yeah. that's not good. <laughs> no, that's not, not, let's not assign moral value to yes, that. Yes, thank you. Let's just explore, right? Okay. Um, any great hymn or Christmas carol, as we've seen, can be didactic. Didactic. What does didactic <laughs> mean? Used to teach. Oh, okay. And okay. have us meditating on God's word and his attributes. And that should be our litmus test, like we said, for whether we will incorporate these into our diet. It takes mm. discernment. We have mm-hmm. to cultivate that. So, um, anyway, as I was looking at newer hymns to recommend, uh, Ooh. Ooh, I realized... Yay. So this is going to be new things we can put on our own playlist. Yes. Yes, uh, how exciting. Yes. Okay. I'm very excited too. Um, I realize that many of these more novel Christmas songs um, are actually very old songs, just like, you know, produced in the 21st century. Okay. Um, not all of them, but a good chunk. Right? Okay. 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 So can I share with you my top 10 favorites? I would love it. I feel like we should have like a drum roll or something. Oh, yes. But... Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so these are going to be like Christmas albums. So. Here we go. Okay, so you mean albums like you could go to Spotify. Yes. Look up this album and you would have a ton of songs, like four or five or something. Yes. On that album. Okay, great. Yes. Okay, so number one is Nathan Partain's The Beauty to Come, released in 2019. Okay. Um, I love this one, and it doesn't sound especially festive. You don't hear, like, tinsel and jingle bells in it, um, which is just nice. It's a great one to just sort of ease us into the Advent season. I actually, like, listen to it all year round. And I okay. think we sang uh, We've Seen His Glory. Um, oh, okay, I remember that. from Monday Thursday this year. Okay. Yeah. I, I have some of his things on my playlist already. Yes, yes. Yes. Okay, number two is the Oh Hello's Family Christmas album. This is about a 25-minute medley of all of our favorite Christmas songs. So like, okay. lots of traditional carols just like mashed up in this very joyful, eclectic. I love that. Like fun album. Okay. Yeah. And what a fun name. Yes. The Oh Hello's. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that actually their last name? Or is that their so. band group? I think it's the name. band name, and okay. I've not really listened to anything except for this okay. Christmas album. Yeah. Okay. Number three, Sandra K- McCracken released mm. a Christmas album in 2020 that is a nice combination of old and new songs. Okay. So the new meets the in- unfamiliar in this song called This Is the Christ. The musical setting is by Sandra McCracken, but the text is by Martin Luther. Okay. You've heard of him. Yes. Yes, I have. He is not modern day. Yeah. No. 
Uh, number four, I would be remiss not to mention Handel's Messiah. So this is <laughs> yes. far from new, but likely unfamiliar. Yeah. Um, most people are probably familiar with like the Hallelujah Chorus. Yes. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Um, and potentially also, for unto us a child is born. Yep. Yep. Uh, this piece of music was composed in 1742. It is an eight oratorio which we can think of as an opera minus the theatrical side. Okay, okay. Uh, this particular oratorio tells the biblical story of Christ, beginning with prophecies in Isaiah and finishing with a co- uh, chorus that quotes Revelation 5.12. You know, the worthy is the lamb that was slain. Sure, okay. Um, it's truly an amazing experience to be in the audience for one of these performances. And most uh, most large cities have performances like, yeah. in early December. Yeah, um, but if you can't get around to that, there are many, many recordings um, yes. on streaming platforms. Yes, absolutely. And also just fair warning, it's like two hours long. <laughs> yes. Um, but if you listen to it, you'll kind of find yourself like reading through Isaiah and have yeah. these melodies in your mind. And it's just like yeah, wonderful because they get stuck in your mind. And yeah. What better thing to get and stuck. And this is what happens then when you read it in scripture, you begin to sing it yeah exactly in your brain because you're reading for unto us the child is born well now you're singing yes exactly okay so i'm gonna pause for a minute because Mm -hmm. i want to tell a little piece first off we're going to be putting this in our um in our show notes so you'll have this list in your show notes so that you're able to go grab them and also a friend at bible study just shared with me something really cool and it fits in so well Mm -hmm. with your handles messiah Mm -hmm. she shared with us about um a specific a book that she had found called Hallelujah, Cultivating Advent Traditions with Handel's Messiah. Mm. It is an Advent reading book that you read with your family, or you could read it on your own, all throughout the month of, well, during Advent, during December. And then it also has daily readings. It has scripture memory and some, uh, like, suggestions for some of the feasts you might have during this time, which I thought was really cool. And then it also has a playlist of the specific music for each week that you can listen to as you go. So I love that. Anyway, shout out to my friend Katie and Samantha for sharing that with me. Yeah, that fits I'm so well <laughs> in. I actually have it in my cart for Amazon, on Amazon right now. So, <laughs> so do I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving along to number five, the Good Shepherd Band has a nice blend of very old traditional carols and new compositions. They've got two Christmas albums. Okay. Um, and their 2014 album, All the Bell Charming, includes a setting of both Mary's Magnificat and the Song of Simeon, which we talked about yeah, earlier. Yeah, both of those, which are just truly scripture. Exactly. Yeah. Um, number six, our church's music ensemble, Everlasting Word Band, has an EP and album of Christmas music that we really enjoy, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, a favorite of these, one of my favorites, is our friend Rebecca's song, How Can It Be? Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Well, I love them. I don't remember if, her, if uh, Rebecca's mary magnificant is on there yeah it's on the the glory or if album. i just okay if yep. i just pulled it from there actually i like all of them i do too yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um number seven the gettys irish christmas 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 <laughs> uh there are two full albums and these are like live recordings that's cool um they're very fun upbeat arrangements i had of like familiar carols and hymns yeah. i had the privilege of like um, seeing one of their nice. Irish Christmas in, in person. It was so much fun. Aw, cool. Yeah. Um, another recent favorite uh, of mine is their song, Elizabeth, which is about 
Mary's cousin, okay. the mother of John. Okay. So kind of an underplayed, underrated yeah. character. But it's a really beautiful song. And still an important part of right. the Christmas story, really. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so these last three are really great for kids. Okay, good, because <clears throat> we needed to talk about kids. Yes. Um, number eight, uh, Rain for Roots is a collective of songwriters, including Sandra McCracken, who we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Together, they create scriptural songs for little ones that are lovely and artistic. They are intended to be, like, for an audience of children, but they don't sacrifice real beauty to make it accessible. Hmm. Um, I'm not a child, <laughs> and surprise, I listen surprise. to these songs, <laughs> like, yeah. on repeat. Yes. Um, they have a really great album, Advent album, called Waiting Songs. Okay. Um, again, there's some traditional songs in there, but then there's also new compositions. Um, and two of my favorites on these this album is uh, Isaiah 11. Okay. And then The Weight of the World. Mm. Um, I just can't say enough good things, so get out there and listen. Okay. <laughs> well, it, it's really interesting. Um, as I have my own six kids and have listened to a lot of music over the years with both them and just on my own, the kids' songs are the ones that stick. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it's because they are written in a way that is simpler mm-hmm. for the truth to get through. I don't know. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's just my bad opinion. But <laughs> I definitely think there's something yeah. There's something to that. Yeah. And there's something to also an artist who can create something, whether it's visual or yeah. aural, um, that's like not stooping down. Yes. You know, like yeah. it's not, they're creating something that's beautiful for the child, not yeah. something that looks like a child made yeah, it. Yeah. That's know? true. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's another topic. <laughs> so number nine would be Elizabeth Mitchell's album, The Sounding Joy. This one is like very folksy. It's Ooh, like, I love folks. Yeah. Things. It's sort of like a, almost like a research project, you know, like okay. of Americana folk okay. music. Okay. So not all of it is sound theologically, um, which you will hear very quickly if you okay. start to listen. Okay. Um, but it is so much fun and okay. so well done. Um, if you just want to bring some excitement and fun into your advent, um, there's one that's like, when was Jesus born? last month of the year and it goes through that like the whole like calendar oh that's it's just fun. so much fun so it's got some learning in it <laughs> yeah for kids yeah okay i love that yep okay so then last is andrew peterson's behold the lamb of god um this album it just really tells a story of you know from advent um through the birth of christ and there's a awesome blend of styles and genres okay. and characters he's he's in it. fabulous i really yes. enjoy his music we like andrew peterson um, another really fun list song is Matthew's Begats, which just goes oh. through the genealogy at the beginning of okay. Matthew. Like, who does that, right? Yes. But who does it? Well, Andrew Peterson. Right. I was going to say, a... I'm not sure that I've ever heard a, a <laughs> genealogy song, but yeah, maybe. It's, it's really good. I had a student, like, sing it to me. I was like, oh, oh my goodness. He yeah. sang the whole thing. He knew it all. What a great way to learn that Absolutely. and to piece together all those people. Yes. Which leads us up to Christ. Yes. Really. So that is, that's great. Yeah. So those and are my 10 albums. we know that God's word does not return void. Right. So even singing God's word is mm-hmm. another part of it. So that's good. Okay. So you've, you've given us a little bit of a view into children and, and some great albums. Thank you. That's mm-hmm. going to be great. We will put those on our show notes. So we are all able to grab those. Um, but like, what about kids in the middle of this? How can we include children in our adventure to listen to all these Christmas carols? 
Okay, so kids get excited about the things their parents get excited about, and they yes. take joy in the things their parents take joy in. Clean rooms? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, <laughs> just teasing. The opposite is true, though. So we ought to be examining our hearts and repenting of a mm. grumbling spirit around Christmas when we should be teaching children to love this season and celebrating the birth of our Savior. Hmm. So I think one of the things I love about holidays is we tend to experience them with all of our senses. Okay. We hear Christmas music. We smell Christmas trees and cookies. We see bright lights and favorite movies. We taste yummy food. We feel the embrace of loved ones. And the wonderful thing about music and experiencing music is it's completely passive. We don't yeah. have to like cut out and bake Christmas music right. or right. cut down a, and decorate right. Christmas music. Right. This is um, true. Yes. So really um, thinking about incorporating our families into it, it's really just like get yourself a speaker, yep. find some good music yep. and make it part of your environment. Yes. So maybe there's a part of like a time of day that you can listen to Christmas music. Maybe you're preparing food or doing chores or, you know, we always listen to music a special playlist when we're decorating a Christmas tree. Yep. Um, I wanted to quote in here um, from Elizabeth Elliot's Keep a Quiet Heart um, in her uh, little It's a great thing. book. It's yeah. a great book. There's one called Family Prayers in here. And she says, when I was a child, my father and mother gathered the six of us in the living room after breakfast every morning for family prayers. First, we sang a hymn, omitting none of the stanzas. Hmm. Yay. That's what we've learned today, yes. <laughs> uh, accompanied on the piano by one of our parents. It was in this way that we learned a good bit of solid theology without any conscious effort. And I underlined that last sentence <clears throat> because that's what we've learned, right? Like, yep. Yep. we can quote these Christmas carols, and now we're realizing, oh, just very unintentionally, we learned yep. a lot of great theology. Yeah, great truth. Excellent, yeah. yeah. So maybe you want to focus on learning a few Christmas carols this season, mm-hmm. learning um, all the stanzas and memorizing them together over yeah. Christmas season or whatever. In my family, uh, not very spiritual. Uh, my uh, <laughs> my dad buys us random musical instruments every year. Oh, that's fun. For Christmas. And at the end of Christmas Day, we choose a song and we all play it on our like nose flutes or boom whackers, cowbell, cowbells, ukuleles. And it is a very fun tradition. So, (laughs) and how fun for when you all start to have children. Well, actually, your brother has children. Yeah. yeah. How fun for them to participate in that and see that kind of unusual tradition. Yeah. But a way to enjoy. Yeah. That's cool. I love that. I I really love kids and, and the whole entire holiday season. Okay. The whole month or six weeks. It's just really fun. I always do a countdown to Christmas. And I always think every year my kids are going to tell me, um, no, I don't want it anymore. But every year they say they want this countdown. And it's morphed and changed over the years. But um, like last year we began, we did a year of studying the names of Christ every day. We did that. And then we did, we do all kinds of other fun things. Like I made root beer into the, so it looked like a deer with you know googly (laughs) eyes and brought out root beer bottles old-fashioned root beer okay but I love this because I think that would be a great thing to incorporate into our our countdown this year Mm -hmm. or in the future years is to just have a couple hymns or carols that we sing every day yeah and um I love that and I also have kids who are musical I'm not but my husband is quite musical and I have kids who are musical and they love to sit and play hymns and play carols so that's really a great idea Mm mm-hmm Okay, Abby, one more question um, that I think would be really important and 
to talk a little bit about is what are some of the resources that might help someone who's listening who wants to learn more about Christmas carols? Because we're and we're going to put these in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so actually, like last week, I discovered a podcast called Him Partial, like H Y M N Partial instead of Impartial. Oh, him partial. very cool. Ooh. Yeah, you'll have to check it out. Yeah, I, I think will. it's totally up your alley, Julie. Um, so normally they just go through like hymns and hymn writers, but they do have a handful of podcasts from like December. Cool. Um, over the on last Christmas years. carols. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to get more history okay. than I gave you, okay, you can go there. Table Talk Magazine has an issue from December 2021 called The Hymns of Christmas, uh, which is a really great, like, goes into the theology of sure. some of the hymns and, like, nice bite-sized articles. Is this the one you referenced earlier? Yes. Okay, great, exactly. great. Mm-hmm. Um, one book that I picked up from the library that's not really from a Christian perspective, just more from, like, a cultural, like, interesting history perspective. Okay. Uh, it's called The Carols of Christmas by Andrew Gant cool really interesting and and just fun a fun read um and then i recently got uh an advent um devotional called rejoicing in christ the newborn king 25 meditations for family worship during the season of christmas published by g3 ministries okay and as you can see oh it has some hymns in it yeah so every day um it has a little devotional and then a suggested hymn with like the hymn okay page so yeah when you go to leave i that may be lost and i may end up with that because that would just be perfect i love when people put these sort of things together because i don't have to spend hours trying to come up with things i can just open my little book yes that's a great now i have to say it is like nicely published in this like small packet and not all of the stanzas are in there so oh no find, you'll have to find the stanzas elsewhere oh no okay <laughs> so those are my suggestions okay well it's helpful to get some ideas and to have some tangible things to use mm-hmm. because as we go through this holiday season and you know it may be that you're listening to this episode and it's january because we all know how that rolls mm-hmm. or you might have already started advent because by the time this episode actually releases we're already halfway in mm-hmm. it's still okay to stop and take a minute and start something Like it's okay to sing a hymn and think and pause and think about the lyrics and sing all the stanzas, right? And not just stop and think, well, I can't do this now. Just start with what you can, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe you can't go to the library and get this, you know, book that you recommended, but you could listen to one of the podcasts you recommended or just even doing something from this podcast. Yeah. That's great. That's uh, that's great. Um, Okay. I absolutely loved every piece of today. Um, and Abby, I'm really glad that you came on to talk about this yeah, topic. Thank you for having me. And I think we're going to give the people something. Are yes. we giving them something? Yes. So I have compiled a Spotify playlist. Nice. Um, with a mix of old and new, as we've talked about. Um, I included uh, something from all of those ten albums Yay! that we referenced, so that. Not not all of the ten albums, but something yeah. from each. Um, and that will help yeah. people to be able to go find. Yes, if they like a particular song on the album or a particular song on the playlist, they can then go find the album. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. And that is just your free gift. We're just going to put that in our <laughs> your giveaway. Um, yes, in our giveaway. Everyone gets one. I feel like it's Oprah now. She gives away everything to you everyone. Get a playlist. Everyone gets a playlist. Okay, and it makes me want to sing, but yes. I'm not going to. We're yeah. going to save us instead. Um, Abby, would you pray for us today? Yes, I can do that. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. 
We thank you for you being the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, God of God and light of light. Um, you did not despise our humanity and you came to be man uh, and to die on our behalf so that we could be re reconciled to you. Um, Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts to celebrate Christmas Amen. as we're in this season of Advent. Help us to continue to celebrate who you are and what you've done and help us to share the light of that truth with those around us. Help us to sing um, songs with joy and with understanding. Um, we ask that uh, you would help us to have gratitude for what, what you've done and to repent of any grumbling spirits or um, rejection of <laughs> oh-so-familiar traditions. Hmm. May we Amen. continue to see the light of Christ illuminating all things in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And thanks, Abby, so much for coming on today. My pleasure. And hey, thank you so much for listening. I know what I'm going to go do now. I'm going to go turn on my Christmas carols and I'm going to sing at the top of my lungs. <laughs> Praise to God because this has been a great episode and a great conversation and really honestly a really great challenge to all of us. Join us next week as we hear from two friends, just these two women and me sitting around chit-chatting about how their lives were forever interwoven in friendship and changed forever by a single invitation to help at a kids camp. It's going to be a great episode and I hope that you join us next week um, and remember all of our episodes drop each and every Thursday and remember when everything around you is shaken you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God until next time